Welcome to the mystical world of Catholicism, where we will explore the practices and experiences of those who have sought a deeper connection with God through prayer and contemplation. I'm your host, Lainey Solis, and together we will delve into the mystics of the Catholic Church, including St. Padre Pio and St. Teresa of Avila, while also examining the role of mysticism in modern Catholicism. Join me on this journey of spiritual discovery as we uncover the beauty and depth of the Catholic faith. Hey friends and welcome. In this week's podcast, we will uncover the Eucharist in the New Testament. Specifically, we'll be looking at the Last Supper, the Bread of Life discourse, and if time allows, we'll discuss some of Paul's references to the Eucharist in Acts and Corinthians. So let's get started. We're first going to discuss the Bread of Life discourse in John chapter 6, verses 22 to 66. It says, The next day, the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not gotten into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had departed alone. Other small boats came from Tiberias, near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, They themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum, looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate some of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, the Father, God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What are we to do so that we may accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then are you doing as a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work are you performing? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry, and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have indeed seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I certainly will not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of God who sent me. And this is the will of God, who's him who. And this is the will of Him who sent me. That of everything that He has given me, I will lose nothing, but will raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. So then the Jews were complaining about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? 
Jesus answered and said to them, Stop complaining among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven, so that anyone may eat from it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world also is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, the one who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, the one who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So then many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, This statement is very unpleasant. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, aware that his disciples were complaining about this, said to them, Is this offensive to you? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh provides no benefit. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples left, and he would no longer walk with them. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to leave also do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. All right, so I know that was a little bit of a long read, but I felt it necessary to try and give you the full picture and full context of what's going on here. So this discourse happens after the feeding of the 5,000. And in the feeding of the 5,000, as we'll discuss here in a little bit, when we talk about the Last Supper, there's imagery between the feeding of the 5,000 and the Last Supper. And so these people come um, and follow Jesus to Capernaum after the feeding of the 5,000 because of the food that he gave them, the bread. And that's why Jesus says, you followed me because of the food you ate and tells them, don't seek food of this world, seek food of heaven. So then it goes on with this long discourse of Jesus explaining to them that he is the bread that came down from heaven. Just as God brought down manna from heaven um, to sustain his people whenever Moses brought them out of Egypt, he has sent Jesus down from heaven as the bread of life, who will ultimately die for our sins so that we may have eternal life. 
this isn't just a figure of speech though because while yes at other points in the bible we see jesus make metaphors out of his speech for things like saying like i am the vine for example but he doesn't necessarily literally mean he's the vine when he's talking about himself being the bread of life and to eat of him as his flesh and blood he doesn't give in he doubles down instead and you'll see that in this passage where he says i am the bread of life your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died this is the bread that comes down out of heaven so that anyone may eat from it and not die i am the living bread that came down out of heaven if anyone eats from this bread he will live forever and the bread which i will give for the life of the world is also flesh Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. So that's one double down. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Second double down. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Third double down. (laughs) The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. That's four separate times that he is doubling down and hammering in this concept of us partaking of his body and blood and he doesn't mean it as a figure of speech because not only does he use a different word a different greek word for the word eat here so normally the word eat in greek would be the word phago, which means to just eat or consume. Here he uses the word trogo. And trogo is more of a action in that it almost describes chewing. So it means more like to chew, to gnaw. So it's a much more raw and actionable word than to just mean like consume something which he may have used if he was trying to be figurative here, right? Like if he was trying to say that we are to consume the words that he's saying, to consume his word, which I'm sure that, yes, there's an underlying context here that we are to consume the word of God. Of course we are. We're supposed to read our Bibles and consume his word. But he's also being literal here of to literally eat his flesh and drink his blood. And we can see that he's being literal, or at least that the people he's speaking to are taking him literally, because then after this, it says that many of the disciples heard this and said, this statement is very unpleasant. Who can listen to it? And Jesus being aware of that his disciples are complaining, he asked, is this offensive to you? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Basically saying, this may be offensive to you, but I'm telling you the truth. What what will happen if you... If you don't believe me, and yet you'll see me ascending, what then? Later on in John 6, 66, it says, As a result of this, many of his disciples left and would no longer walk with him. And then he turns to his disciples and asks them, Are you going to leave me also? And Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Christ loses disciples over this because they are taking him literally. And we could say, oh, like, maybe 
it's not about what he's saying, but that he's trying, he's claiming that he's God. Well, it's describing them as disciples. So these are already people that are following him because they believe he's the Messiah. So that's not necessarily why they're leaving. They already believe he's, he's the Messiah. They're leaving him because of what he's saying. He's telling them that they have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. I'm sure the reason being is because this seems to human non-understanding ears like cannibalism. And even in the early years of the church, surprise, surprise, pagans didn't like that early Christians were saying that they ate flesh and drank blood because it was cannibalistic from their viewpoint. But if we understand the differences in cannibalism and the Eucharist, they're quite different. Cannibalism usually involves eating the flesh of a dead person whose body, you know, runs out. Christ, while human, yes, he's also divine in nature. And once he rises from the dead, he is transfigured. In that way, Christ is not dead, but living flesh. His flesh and blood don't run out, ever. And also, we are not consuming his flesh and blood in that form of flesh and blood, if that makes sense. So while yes, the bread and the wine are transformed into his body and blood, visually and taste-wise, we are not receiving it in that manner. Its outward appearance or accidents is still bread and wine as far as its appearance goes and in its taste. And another thing to note is that with cannibalism, that which you're eating is only sustaining you bodily. So it feeds the body. The purpose of the Eucharist is not to feed the body. The Eucharist, Christ's flesh and blood, feeds the soul. So questioning the Eucharist, questioning Christ's true presence is nothing new. This is something that even modern Catholics struggle with. Only a third of Catholics believe in the true presence of Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And that's not entirely surprising, considering that it's so mystical in nature. It's difficult for us to wrap our minds around on how can this be. But you know, early Christians didn't have a word for what we receive in the Eucharist, as far as how it happens. For us, that term is transubstantiation for Catholics, meaning that the substance is transformed into the body and blood of Christ. They didn't have that word yet to put on it, but they still believed anyway because God said it would be so. They understood that through the Eucharist, they were able to participate in a union that Christ was calling them to, to unite ourselves with him in his singular sacrifice on the cross, and to unite ourselves with him, body, soul, mind, everything, to let him into our hearts. It is the most intimate you could be as a Catholic with Christ to receive him in the Eucharist into your body. So let's continue on. I love the Bread of Life discourse, so I apologize for spending a lot of time on it. <laughs> um, but 
let's continue on to the Last Supper. So let's look at three different gospel readings of the Last Supper. We're going to look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So let's look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 30. Now while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now let's look at Mark chapter 14, verses 22 to 26. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take it. This is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And now let's look at Luke chapter 22, verse 14 to 20. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is being given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup, which is poured out for you, is a new covenant in my blood. First, let's compare the Lord's Supper to what was said at the feeding of the 5,000 that, that occurred just before the Bread of Life discourse. So at the feeding of the 5,000, it says this in John chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Um, but we'll look at verse 11. So it says, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. So similar to the Last Supper, Jesus takes the loaves, gives thanks, and distributes them, or breaks them, and gives them to those who are seated. So it's imagery of what's happening at the Last Supper, where he takes the bread, gives thanks, and breaks it. So going back to the Last Supper, one major thing that's going to stand out is that Jesus says, this is my body. He doesn't say, you know, this is a representation of my body. This is like my body. He says, this is my body. This is my blood and do this in remembrance of me. And that's exactly what, as Catholics, what we do. Every time we have mass, the priest in persona Christi, meaning representing Christ performs the same last supper as Christ or not the same one because obviously it's not the same point in time but we have a last supper we have a Passover meal every mass and that is what the priest is doing he uses those words he repeats those words of Christ this is my body which was given up for you this is my blood which was given up for you do this in remembrance of me we do this at Mass to remember what Christ did for us, the sacrifice he gave for us, 
so that we may have a chance at eternal life. So again, the, the Passover meal, the Passover meal is remembrance of Exodus and a step toward their redemption. In this Passover meal, Christ is saying, I am that redemption. I am going to redeem you. Because if you notice, like I've mentioned before, when we've talked about the Eucharist in the Old Testament, Jesus becomes the lamb because if you'll notice, there's no lamb mentioned at the table at this Passover meal. And that is because Christ is the lamb. He is going to be the sacrifice. The Last Supper from a Catholic perspective is not just a big metaphor. We take it literally because Christ says, this is my body, this is my blood. And yes, it's 100% difficult to wrap our minds around because we don't have the capacity to fully understand. Do I fully understand how God makes himself present in the Eucharist as his body and blood, soul, and divinity? No, I, I don't know how exactly he does that. The church calls it transubstantiation, which just means is a, a big word to try and describe what's taking place. But none of us really know how God does that. And I don't think we're meant to because we're not God. But even without knowing how it happens, we can still believe that it's true because God said it is true. Okay, so this episode has gone on far longer than I thought it would. But let me wrap up really quick. So the Eucharist is far more than just a symbol. It is an invitation to participate with Christ. It is an intimate union with God. And as someone who is married, for me, I see the symbolism between Christ as the bridegroom and the church as his bride. Just as I walked down the aisle to my husband on my wedding day, Every time I go to Mass and I walk down that aisle to go receive Christ in the Eucharist, I can't help but think of the same imagery. The same union that I have with my husband is the same union I have with Christ in the Eucharist. And that's just so loving to me that God would do that for me. Give me this gift of himself in the Eucharist. So next time you're receiving the Eucharist at Mass, if you're Catholic, think about that. Think of what am I bringing to God now in this moment? What can I offer up to him? How can I invite him into my life in receiving the Eucharist? All right, so that's going to be it for this week. We will put a pin in Paul's epistles for next time. And if you would do me a big favor and share this episode with a friend or follow and leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it. You could also check out the Etsy shop at The Mystical Catholic. This podcast also runs on your support. So if you're interested in other ways to support the podcast, you could check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash mystical world of Catholicism. I'm working towards getting a better setup so you can have a studio quality listening experience. Your support also helps keep the website and production costs going. So thank you again for being here with me, hanging out with me. I truly appreciate having you as a listener, and I will see you next time. May the peace and light of Christ be with you always.